Welcome to Awaken from your podcast to slumber as I do another number explaining the best sports talk podcast around so it's time for yours truly to get unruly and to get on down and expound and explain what Wendell's world in sports is all about a sports talk program that slams out the hits like Mike Trout with the cloud to talk about everything and anything from inside an arena stadium to an octagon or boxing ring. When outside social issues intrude to include themselves into the current state of affairs of the game or contest, without just trepidation or hesitation, I attack the subject matter as if it was a quarterback and I was Khalil Mack. So take a step back and rethink your plan to engage in the battle. And my podcast brings joy to every man, woman, girl, and boy from Pakistan to Seattle, washing tons of bums and putting them on the run as those pretenders surrender to the podcasting equivalent of the last style bender. I'll take any sports talking palooka and embarrass him like he was Cameron Johnson of the Phoenix Suns trying to guard Luca. I'm a maverick that's quick to inflict a verbal beatdown that could be fatal. No remorse or second thoughts about it. I'll be more willing and able. So sitting at the table, you won't be the dinner guest, but the appetizer, main course, and dessert. So avert your eyes and gaze on another prize as I reprise and report and complete another remarkable podcasting feat. This Washington commander from the DMV will be demanding your understanding that your podcast compared to mine, your best belief, you're Ryan Leaf while I'm Peyton Manning. Accept the loss from your podcasting boss and toss out any hopes or optimism in wishing you're winning this melee. If you put any money on beating me, you'll be broke by payday. So if you wish to continue to have broadcasting happiness and bliss, don't miss my warning because in the words of Chris Jericho, you know what happens to the podcasters who try to challenge me? You just made the list! So with my podcast, head down the listening road to download, subscribe with pride, a review or a rate would be great as I would appreciate the love and support of this podcast named Wendell's World and Sports. Sports fans of all ages, faces, and places from every stadium, arena, and auditorium all over the world. May I have your attention, please? What well, time's coming when we're going to have to handy up? Handy up and kick in like men. Like men! It is now time to bring to your listening ears, hearts, and minds a sports podcast named Wendell's World in Sports with the one and only Wendell Wallace. Tell him how you feel. A podcast that gives you strong, passionate, unapologetic, uncompromised thoughts and opinions about the everyday happenings in the NFL. Mahomes looking to flip, takes it in for the touchdown. And college football to the NBA in my Georgetown Hoyas. Fires one down and an exclamation point for Milwaukee. To any other sporting news of the day. And now, introducing the man whose love of sports was born and bred on the greatest Muhammad Ali, Lim Bias, Magic Johnson, Bernard King, and Eric Dickerson, Wendell Wallace. Special dedication for those who are listening to this podcast in Nevada. Special dedication for those who are listening to this podcast in Oklahoma. Special dedication for those who are listening to this podcast in the DMV. Special dedication for those who are listening to this podcast in Seattle, Washington. Special dedication for those who are listening to this podcast, enjoying this podcast in Australia, in Vancouver, in Toronto, in Bangladesh, in India, in Pakistan, all over the globe. Thank you so doggone much, Wendell's World in Sports. 
I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. A lot of things to get down on and discuss today in the world of sports. If you like what you're listening to, anywhere where you listen to your favorite podcast, iHeart, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, do me a favor if you would, please. If you could just go ahead, download, subscribe, rate, review the most unique, entertaining, thought-provoking sports talk podcast that you can listen to. I would definitely appreciate it. And for those, I'm telling you, man, it's right around the corner. It's right around the bend. I've almost got my routine going now, my new routine going. I'm almost there to where I can find some time to talk about what is happening in the world of sports video-wise. The YouTube episodes of Wendell's World of Sports, speaking about the NBA, speaking about my Georgetown Hoyas, getting back to speaking about the uh, college football and the NFL. It's a coming, man. It's a coming. I'm going to be there. I'm going to get there. I'm going to ride that saddle. I'm going to get back on that horse. I'm going to drive that car. I'm going to kick that ball. I'm going to shoot that shot. Anything that you can equate to me getting back to doing my YouTube channel, that's exactly what I'm going to do, and I'm looking forward to it. So, yeah, just go over there. As I always mentioned before, if you uh, like what you're listening to, ladies, single, 42, 49, looking fine. If you uh, like what you see, go ahead, subscribe, and uh, click the like button. Do all those good things. Wendell's World in Sports with yours truly, Wendell Wallace. All right, let's go ahead and get into uh, the best football game I've seen in years. In fact, I can say that it is, it was without question the best football game I've seen in a while. Had nothing to do with the game that we call football. Football, not football, my man. Football. Argentina beats France on penalty kicks, winning the World Cup for the third time. The game ended in a 3-3 tie with Argentina winning on penalty kicks 4-2. Lionel Messi scored two goals to put Argentina up before Kylian Mbappe, where Lionel Messi uh, had a big hand in Argentina getting a two-goal lead before Kylian Mbappe said, hold on for a minute, two goals Pulled France even. Messi put Argentina ahead in extra time before Mbappe completed his his hat trick from the penalty spot to send the game to a shootout to uh, where Argentina won. Now look, man, I love this nonsense. I love this bullshit. When this country, who's pretty arrogant in everything that we say and really don't have a lot to be backing up a lot of our arrogance, me included, when we talk about this country. We hear this all the time when it comes to the Copa or when we come to a major sporting event involving the game of football when it's decided with penalty kicks. And we got to hear these ass clowns. We got to hear these these jackballs. We got to hear these clowns sit there and talk about Oh, well, you know, penalty kicks, I think that's bullshit. I think that's wrong. I think it's ridiculous. I mean, you don't do that in baseball. They don't do that. It would be the equivalent of having a home run derby after after extra innings in baseball. Or, you know, it would be some type of uh, three-point shooting contest or a dunk contest if after the first overtime of the NBA that the game was still tied. This is nonsense. Man, for those in our country who are talking that mess, who don't watch any soccer, who still refer to it as soccer and not football, who don't give the game of football the respect that it deserves, and then you come in once every four years for 15 minutes just to rip on it, just to make fun of it. All I have to say to you ass clowns is shut the fuck up. We have no, we have no say. 
We have no respect in terms of about 90-some percent of us to be speaking about World Cup, to be speaking about the global game of football and talking about what changes could it be made. Just like if some clown from another country came in and told us how to uh, play the game of football. If some guy who, uh, who, whose country does not play football doesn't watch football, came in and started talking about, oh yeah, why did your football players do this? Why did the NFL do that? Why can't the game be better than that and the other? I would say, hey man, this is the best game on the planet. Shut the fuck up. Go back to your other country, kick your little soccer ball around, and shut the fuck up when you're talking about the game of football because you know nothing about it. We are immersed in football. We are highly educated in football. This country is the king. This country is the best. This country is numero uno when it comes to two things in this world. Playing football, the American game of football, and basketball. Even though basketball now has a lot of the uh, European players uh, winning MVPs and you have Luka who's going to be taking over the league from Slovenia in a couple of years and you have Jokic being the two-time champion as far as the MVP is concerned and running up with Joel Embiid and before that it was Giannis Adenikupo. While it looked like the European invasion might be inundating the world of the NBA, when it comes to basketball, The Americans are still the champions when it comes to the greatest, when it comes to the top of the food chain, shall we say, um, as far as sports is concerned. When it comes to football, when it comes to the global game, Americans don't have a pot to piss in, man. So if they want to uh, end the game in shootouts, hey, man, for the powers that be who are really invested in this game, who live, sleep, eat, breathe, die, live for this game, then yeah, if that's the way it's going to be, that's the way it's going to be. And their explanation is going to be all right with me. We don't need some jackass sitting there talking about comparing it to, you know, the game of baseball or nonsense or some nonsense like that. So yeah, man, for me, this game is going to go down as one of the best World Cup finals of all time. Now, for me to say that, you're only talking about a guy who's maybe watched seven or eight and remembered like, I don't know, one or two of them at the very best. But uh, when you take a look at a sporting event, When you want to define a great sporting event or a great game or a memorable game or a historical game, what do we talk about? What's your definition? What goes into making that? For me, it's, hey, man, what makes a great sporting contest when it comes to team play? Close, consistent, thrilling, exciting game during a tournament or playoff with extremely high stakes. Yeah, there could be a game, a regular season game that could be awesome, that could be fantastic, that could be close, that could be magical, that could be noteworthy. But if it's just a regular game four or five or six months from now when they're crowning a champion, no one for the most part is going to remember that game. That game is not going to have the impact that it could if it was a playoff game, or if it was a championship game. So that's why I say, yeah, when you speak about games that are memorable, when you speak about games that are historical, when you speak about games that are going to be long-lasting, when you're speaking about games that are going to be impactful for the sport moving forward in its popularity, you think about a close, contested, exciting game during a tournament or during the playoffs or during the finals are something with extremely high stakes. You think about the historic lines and what historical ramifications this game is going to have. You speak about the best players on each team playing great. That, to me, makes 
one of the greatest games of all time in the discussion. That's what makes, for me, a historical game, a legendary game, an impactful game, uh, a generation, uh, a generational great game, a game that where you can take a look back on 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years from now, a game where children who aren't even born yet are going to learn about this game from their parents or their grandparents. We're speaking about babies right now in Argentina, babies right now in France who are going to grow up and have their parents and have their brothers and have their cousins and nephews and nieces and uncles and aunts talk about this game. From the time they're in the crib to the time that they're getting married, having kids of their own, they're going to be speaking about this game. This game is going to be inundated in the culture of Argentina and France for generations to come. For me, that's what signified this game right here. That's what made this game so important. When you can draw in someone like me, in terms of someone who's not, while being a sports fan, who loves the theater of it all, is not a guy who's going to sit there and watch uh, soccer or watch football. Not going to do it. I don't care about the Premier League. I don't care about these guys as far as historical greatness in terms of um, them playing the game of football. These guys don't resonate to me like the guys who I watch play in the NBA who or, or who I watch play tennis or who I watch uh, box or UFC or any of these or any of these athletes. These guys don't mean that much to me. The game doesn't mean that much to me. But due to the fact, man, of the importance of this game and the greatness of this game and the greatness of the legendary performer and the soon-to-be legendary performer, the leading men in this game, the leading actors in this game, the leading athletes in this game. Yeah, man, it was something where I was kind of like, I got to be part of this. I got to be something to where, you know what, I want to be able to talk about this game. Doesn't mean that I'm all of a sudden going to be a football fan. No, but I was just happy. I was just glad that I was there to watch this game, man, because, you know, somehow, somewhere, there's going to be a child out there that I'm going to say hello to who I'm going to bring up this game. And when they look at me with blank stares and in, in, in a puzzled look, a inquisitive look, I can be able to tell them about Lionel Messi and Kylian Mbappe and what they did on Sunday in the World Cup on the biggest stage sporting event of them all. Wendell's World in Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. So, again, interested to hear, you know, talk to your folks, man. Talk to your friends. What is the greatest game? What does make a great game? What does make a great contest? What does make a legendary contest? What does move you? You know, what was the sports first sporting event? If you're a basketball fan, if you're a football fan, if you're a tennis fan, if you're a golf fan, if you're a, a NASCAR fan, what was it? What was the game? What was the race? What was the bout? What was the contest that made you say, I'm a fan? That I love this. A lot of time it goes all the way back to childhood, man. I became a fan. I love the game of basketball because of Bernard King, because of Len Bias, because of the King brothers, because of John Thompson, because of the Georgetown Hoyas, because of Magic Johnson, because of Norm Nixon, because of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, because of James Worthy, because of those guys, because of Eric Sleepy Floyd, because of Patrick Ewing, because of John Bebe Duran. That's the reason why I became a huge basketball fan. What made me a huge football fan, except being in this country and having it passed down from my father? What made me a huge football fan? Of course, it was watching the then Washington Redskins. It was then watching Warren Moon. It was watching 
uh, Eric Dickerson. It was watching Walter Payton. It was watching Joe Thiesman. It was watching Morris Taylor. It was watching those guys play each and every Sunday. It, watching uh, Billy White Shoes Johnson. That's what made me such a strong, such a huge, such a passionate football um football fan the game of the nfl so it's always interesting no matter where you are in the country no matter what your sport what cricket event made you become a huge cricket fan what sporting event what world cup event what soccer final made you become such a huge fan of soccer what boxing event what boxing match what ufc event was the turning point for you to become such a huge and passionate uh fan of that sport and for millions upon millions upon hundreds of millions, maybe reaching the billions who saw this game on Sunday, the World Cup final between France and Argentina, that's what this game is going to represent. It's going to represent hundreds of millions of fans of the next generation who can't kick a soccer ball, who still don't know what they're going to do with their lives, can dream about being the next Lionel Messi, can dream about being the next Kylian Mbappe. And for the hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of millions of young kids who watch that game, one of those is going to have the talent. One of those is going to have the God-given gifts to be at that level soon enough or for their generation. And then we can start comparing who's the greatest of this generation to that generation. Somewhere, the next Lionel Messi, who doesn't even know that he's the next Lionel Messi, somewhere, a 8-year-old, a 7-year-old, a 5-year-old, an 11-year-old, who was dreaming of watch, who was watching this game and dreaming of being the next Kylian Mbappe is somewhere 8, 9, 10, 12, 13 years down the road going to realize that, man, I'm not just as good as Mbappe or Lionel Messi. I have a chance to be even better while still keeping my reverence and respect for my idol for the reason why I became such a huge soccer fan, which in turn made me a guy to where the younger generation watching me is going to... Tr- think and is going to dream about being a guy like me reciprocal and that's what this world cup represented man so i was i was very glad and i was very happy and i was uh, very honored to watch a sporting event which normally i would not watch and yeah man that was my thoughts and feelings about it man would you, would you speak about the FIBA world cup and you speak about what it was i, I can't get into the greatest World Cup game of all time. I can't get into that stuff. The performance by Kylian Mbappe and Lido Messi, what does it mean for them? What does it mean for their legacies? More as far as the historical part of the uh, of the conversation goes toward Messi, who's, what, 35 years old? So he's on the back nine of his career, while you have someone like Kylian Mbappe, who's, what, 23 years old, already won the World Cup, starting his ascension to being an all-time, an all-time great. If he keeps on the path that he's on right now and performing like he did, if 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 you could imagine, somehow, some way, if France would have won that World Cup with the way Kylian Mbappe played, it, it would have gone down in the world of sports. Period. If you take what it meant, if you take the event itself. This could be something to where this could have been one of the greatest performances of all time. And it came down to penalty kicks. 
in terms of Mbappe receiving that type of uh, moniker, receiving that type of praise, receiving that type of adulation. It came down to penalty kicks for Kylian Mbappe not to become a legend already at the age of 23 if France somehow, someway would have pulled that game off. And what would it have meant for Messi? When you speak about his historical greatness, because now I'm hearing the argument that now it's a no-brainer that Lionel Messi is the greatest football player of all time. Not Pele, not Franz Beckenbauer, not Giorgio Canaglia, not uh, my gosh, not Cristiano Ronaldo. No, none of those guys. Now it's all about Lionel Messi. Why? Because not only was he a part of a team that won the prestigious World Cup, the most pre- prestigious trophy in team sports in the world possibly the greatest trophy that you can receive in all of sports in all of the world not only was he a recipient of that but he was also the leading man he was also the star player this wasn't somebody who was jumping on the back of a young uh, a young bull a young buck and having that guy carry him to the finish line, one more for John. This wasn't Terrell Davis carrying John Elway to the finish line for his first championship. This wasn't a situation where Vaughn Miller and the the, the Denver Broncos were carrying Peyton Manning for his second Super Bowl championship. This wasn't a situation where you had Tim Duncan carrying David Robinson to his first championship. No, this was a situation where at the age of 35 still, Lionel Messi was the guy. Lionel Messi was the man to lead this team to victory and for the historical presence and for the historical discussions and arguments that are going to be happening from now till forever. Man, that's something else for what he did. And how much would it, how much of the argument of Lionel Messi being the greatest, how much of that argument would have been swayed? How much of that argument would have been changed? How much of that argument would have been decreased for those who would have said that if Kylian Mbappe in France would have beaten Messi in the penalty kicks? Even though Messi did what he did during the game itself, and even in the uh, shootout where he scored that goal in the shootout, what would it have meant for his greatness? What would it have meant for the argument? It comes down to penalty kicks, man. It comes down to, his, to penalty kicks. When you're talking about historical greatness, when you're speaking about that conversation, it comes down to penalty kicks. That's how slight it was. Like if France would have beaten Argentina, all of a sudden now Messi isn't the greatest? Well, he doesn't have the World Cup championship by his side. Whoa, whoa, that's all it took. That's all it took. Shows you the importance, shows the, the, the impactful presence of the World Cup and what does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. So, man, let's take a look at this. Because in this country, what's our big deal? What's our hip-hip hooray? What's our dancing in the street? What's our boogaloo? What's our getting on a fire truck and rolling down the streets while they're honking in the horn while people come out of their houses and wave and cheer and clap and say, woohoo! What is the big deal? What is the ticker tape parade? What is the parade down Broadway in this country? Yeah, the NBA championship is important. Yeah, Major League Baseball winning that World Series is important. But I guess you could say that it's winning that NBA, excuse me, winning the NFL, Super Bowl, winning that championship, correct? Am I right about that? Right? 
Here's one of the reasons why I, I always said when it comes to the World Cup, I don't want to see these. The, I don't want to see this country win. Same thing in hockey for the uh, Winter Olympics. I don't want to see this country win because when you're speaking about the two sports, when you're speaking about hockey, when you're speaking about football, but let's concentrate on football. This country is not inundated in terms of its passion, in terms of its reverence, in terms of its affecting the everyday and its morale. And it's, it's, it's everything like some of these other countries. So for Argentina to win the World Cup, that's generational greatness that's going to impact the country in a positive way. For the goodness of Argentina and the Argentinian people who, uh, from my uh, colleagues at work, one from Chile, my man Max talking about, eh, you know, them folks from Argentina, and don't, don't meet too many humble folks from Argentina. A lot of them are arrogant. That's one of the reasons why them and Brazilians don't get along too much. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm speaking out of turn, if I'm speaking out of ignorance, if I'm speaking out of, uh, out of line, I apologize. Not, knowing if that's true or not, but that's what I heard. Not here to confirm it, not here to deny it. That's just what I heard. But for Argentina to win that World Cup for that country, just like it means for Brazil, just like it means for Germany, just like it means for a lot of the South American countries, just like it means for some of the European countries, the pride, the prestige, the confidence, the keeping your head up, all of those things, the betterment of society that 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 is... That is a country when it wins, wins a World Cup. Hey, man, for the goodness of this world, that's what we need. Winning a World Cup in this country would mean nothing. It would mean nothing. It would be a hip, hip parade moment for about 15, 20 minutes, and then we will forget about it. Oh, yeah, it would be stuck in the annals of, hey, wasn't that something? Hey, wasn't that interesting? Hey, wasn't that fantastic? But let's take a look at the Miracle on Nights in 1980 when, the, uh, when this country did the impossible. When this country did the impossible, when this country did the implausible, and they beat the Soviet Union, and they beat Finland 4-2 to two to uh, win the World Cup. Miracle on ice. Yeah, we remember that. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, that was unbelievable. But what did it do for this country? It didn't do anything for this country in terms of raises morale. It just gave us another thing to be arrogant and foolish about. It didn't, re- it didn't make this country better. We were happy. We were excited, we were hip hip hooray-ish, but it did nothing for the morale of this country. It didn't uh, bring the races to, to, together in peace and harmony and unity for, for anything long-lasting. You know, we still have our quirks, we still have our negatives, we still have our warts, we still have our problems in this country. The U.S. winning the 1980 miracle, uh, the, 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 the 1980 uh, gold medal at the Winter Olympics, it didn't do anything to make this country better. Now you turn this around, it would be the same thing with with the, the World Cup. Winning the World Cup this year, it wouldn't have done anything in terms of making this country better. Man, we are a territory, man. We're, we, we don't, we're, we're Americans, yes, but we're more Marylanders than we are Americans. We're more Californians than we are American. We're more Minnesotian than we are American. We are more Kansan than American. We're more Texan than American. So for many of us who are living in Texas, hey man, would you rather see the Dallas Cowboys win a Super Bowl or would you rather see the uh, United States win the uh, World Cup? 
I bet you a large majority of those would be like, no, man, I want to see the Dallas Cowboys win the Super Bowl. For those baseball fans, those struggling baseball fans in Chicago and Boston, who for almost a century, if you're taking a look at Chicago before they won the World Series, if you want to ask a Chicago Cubs fan, if you, would you rather see the racist, selfish, ignorant, divided states of America win a World Cup in soccer or see your Chicago Cubs break a century-long drought of winning a World Series, the overwhelming majority of them would have said, I want to see the Chicago Cubs win a World Series. Why? Because it's not football, it's baseball. Baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, and Chevrolet. It's American, it's what we are. We're for us, football, soccer, whatever you want to call it, it's a foreign it's a foreign sport to us, played by foreigners, played by Mexicans, played by Europeans, played by Argentinians, played by Brazilians. It has nothing to do with our sport. You know, in our sport of football, the one that we love the most. You don't see Argentinians, you don't see Brazilians, you don't see the, the countries that love the game of football, uh, playing our sport, dominating our sport, being great at our sport. You just don't when it comes to a football. You don't see people from London, England coming over and doing some shit in terms of being stars in the game of American football. You just don't because football is our sport. Football is American. Football is all about American. Football didn't branch off to other countries. Football don't have other imports from other countries coming in here and being star quarterbacks and being star running backs and being star wide receivers. No, no, football, the game of football, both college and pro, is strictly American. So if you ask a fan from Alabama, who's already won, what, six or seven championships as far as football is concerned, and you ask the Alabaman, would you rather see the this country win a World Cup in soccer, or would you rather see Alabama win a national championship in football, the majority of folks in Alabama are going to say, I would rather see Alabama win a national championship of football. Just like if you go down to Austin, Texas. Just like you go down to Norman, Oklahoma. Just like if you go down to Auburn, Alabama. Just like if you go to Columbus, uh, Ohio. Uh, Columbus, uh, Ohio. Just like you go to Ann Arbor, Michigan. Th- the majority of folks would say that. Not all, but the majority would. So, yeah, that's why I just say, hey, look, man, it does nothing in terms of the this country winning a World Cup. Soccer ain't our sport. And I know you're going to have folks who say, I love the sport. I love the sport. I love the sport. That's that's fantastic. That's great. I don't doubt that you do. But compare the passion. Compare the reverence. Compare the importance. Compare the responsibility of what the game of football means to a lot of these countries in the world and compare it to what it means in our country. There's, there's no contest. And hey, man, I'm all about making not this country better, but the entire world better. So if a World Cup victory can uplift the Argentinian and for that generation to become better people and this, that, and the other, I'm all for it, man. Let them win. Because we, we've seen that a sporting event such as the World Cup or a sporting event such as the U.S. Olympic team winning the 1980 a gold medal in hockey doesn't mean anything in terms of any long-lasting relationship in terms of uh, the betterment of this country. So there you go.
I'm glad that Argentina won, and I'm glad that uh, this country lost. I'm glad that this country got its ass whooped by the uh, Netherlands, and uh, I hope in 2026 they do the same. I hope that the uh, this country loses on its home field, so uh, we can go back to be watching uh, baseball and football and NFL free agency and which team is going to win games and which team is going to disappoint and all that nonsense. Because if the if if the Americans want to win this World Cup. Um, it still would have been a situation on Sunday where it would have been like, oh, yeah, that's great. Now, come on, Dallas Cowboys. Now, come on, Los Angeles Rams. Well, Rams are a bad example. Come on, Dallas Cowboys. Come on, Green Bay Packers. Come on, Pittsburgh Steelers. That's what we're talking about. You'd rather see the Steelers win the Super Bowl or the United States win the World Cup. Steelers win the Super Bowl. Thank you, Wendell's World in Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Let me wrap this up by saying, Lionel Messi. Now, I'm too ignorant in the game of football to sit there and talk about, well, you know, based on this, he's without question the greatest footballer of all time. But I will say, hey, man, in terms of generational greats, what does this mean for Lionel Messi right now? Because I I, I get the argument from those who really know the sport of uh, football, who follow it, who know it very well, that this is the deal that's going to push Lionel Messi to the top. Past Pele, past Rolandino, past all those guys, right? So what what does it mean for the greatness when it comes to this generation? What does it mean? Where do you put him? Where do you put a guy who was supposed to be the greatest footballer of all time? Better than Pele? Well, they say that, yeah, okay, Messi might not have won three World Cups like Pele did for Brazil in 58, 62, and 70. But they say Messi played in a more cutthroat era. With a lot more games and a lot more pressure. Okay. All right. You know, you mean talking about Barcelona, won four champion leagues, titles, and 10 Spanish titles, as well as leading Argentina to the Copa America last year individually. He has seven uh, Ballon d'Ors, which means the, I guess that's the MVP as far as the greatest footballer in the world. I mean, to say that he's greater than Pele, I don't know, man. I, I have no idea. It would almost be as unfair as saying who's the greatest Major League Baseball player of all time if you want to say Babe Ruth or Barry Bonds or Willie Mays or Mike Trout. Different eras, man. How can you compare stuff like that? How can you say who's the better basketball player of all time, Will Chamberlain or Shaquille O'Neal? Different eras, man. How can you make a comparison like, well, who's the better quarterback, Johnny Unitas or Peyton Manning? Who knows, man? We're talking about different eras. We're talking about different deals. I mean, okay, no one in their right mind is going to say Tyson Fury is better as a heavyweight champion than Joe Lewis. But how much of that is based off the fact that what Joe Lewis did for this country, what Joe Lewis did as a human being, and the impact that he had on the uh, on this country, and the um, and the historical um, things that he did for this country in and outside the ring? But then you say, well, wait a minute, Tyson Fury is like six seven, six eight, six nine, and he can bulk up to two eighty five, while Joe Lewis was nothing more than six feet and one hundred eighty five fucking pounds. You put him in a boxing ring, of course that Tyson Fury will smash him. So your definition of who's greater, who's greatest, how do you determine, I think it's unfair. So I think to say that Messi is the greatest football player of all time, better than Pelé, why do we have to have that discussion? Why do we have to have that comparison? Why do we have to have that argument? They're both great for the ears because 50 years from now, there's going to be somebody chatting about how a footballer who's playing then is going to be better than Lionel Messi because the way this world this society is all about 
generations are all about. There's going to be a footballer out there who's going to be 6'8", 6'9", and can do all the things Messi can do, but only like 10 times better. So, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how you do that. Doesn't make him better than Cristiano Ronaldo, shall we say. It's almost similar, shall we say, the Messi-Ronaldo argument to uh, who's better between uh, Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, and Novak Djokovic, right? When you're talking about guys within the similar generations doing similar great things, how do you then make that comparison? How do you make that distinction? How do you make that separation? Almost, I mean, Ronaldo has never won a World Cup. Personalities matter, right? I mean, Messi seems to be quiet and humble. Ronaldo, arrogant and uh, selfish. So, I don't know. I don't know. So, where does this put him? Speaking about it here on Wendell's World of Sports, where does this put Messi? At the greatest athlete of his generation. Where would you put him compared to Tom Brady, Serena Williams, LeBron, Usain Bolt, my man Roger Federer, Albert Pujols, Tiger Woods, um, Kobe Bryant, Anderson Silva, Michael Phelps, George St. Pierre, my man, Ronaldo. Where, where is it that? Where would you put Messi? As always, as I always say, I would let those guys settle that debate because those are the guys who are most, um, who who probably are the most qualified to talk about greatness, who are most qualified to be talking about someone's legacy, someone's historical greatness. Brady, Serena, Fed, Pujols, Tiger, GSP, Kobe, Anderson Silva. Let those guys figure it out, man. I just say, Lionel, welcome to the table of greatness. You were already there. You might have maybe moved to a a, a little bit better spot, but uh, you're already there, my man. Where does this performance with Kylian Mbappe, though? Telling you, come on, man. You want If France would have won, what would we be saying? Can't believe that Lionel Messi had his best chance to win and he blew it. But oh my goodness, Kylian Mbappe, he's already a god. Right? It was almost like when you take a look at this game, it was almost like you could match up 1990. 19- 1995 Michael Jordan versus like 2009 or 2008 LeBron James. If you could somehow put those two guys together on the court for game seven of the NBA finals, wouldn't that have been tasty? Wouldn't that have been delicioso? Wouldn't that have been something else? We got the equivalent of that of Lionel Messi, the GOAT, the greatest, the God, the legend going up against a guy with an opportunity, with the talent, with the potential to be right there with him when everything is all said and done. I wonder if that's going to be happening. Is Mbappe going to get the LeBron treatment in terms of everything that LeBron does, these sheep, these clowns, these losers, these fools, the Jordanaires, everything LeBron does. It's, oh, I don't care. Jordan would have done better. Jordan would have done better. Jordan would have... Instead of saying, hey, I'm not going with that argument. Cool. LeBron is doing this, that, and the other. He's even so great in this particular area that he passed Jordan. Wow, that's something else. That's awesome. That's great. Instead of giving LeBron his kudos, instead of giving LeBron his handshake, instead of giving LeBron a dap, instead of giving LeBron, uh, you know, the bow down, we have to sit there and go, well, Jordan, well, 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 well Jordan, he's not better than Jordan, though. He's not better than Jordan. Who gives a fuck? Just enjoy what LeBron did and shut the fuck up. Most of you fucking ass clowns who are talking about, he's not better than Jordan. You motherfuckers never even saw Jordan play. <laughs> it's like, man, you know, just, just, I don't give a fuck who's better than LeBron or Jordan. Just, just enjoy both of them. Who's, 
who's, who would you rather in their prime? Who would you rather go to bed with and have sex with? Halle Berry or 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 Layla Rochon or Selma Hayek or Monica Bellucci? Could you go wrong with either four? <laughs> oh man, Halle Berry! Did you see her in Catwoman or did you see her in uh, Boomerang? Oh my goodness gracious, that woman was sexy beyond be- sexy beyond belief. Oh yeah, but did you see Selma Hayek in Desperado when she walked across the uh, when she walked across the street and caused an accident to Antonio Banderas? Did you see it? Halle Berry, she's a whore and she's like, gee whiz, man, just calm the fuck down. So that's kind of like I wonder if Killian is going to be receiving that type of bullshit if he's, if he's going to be receiving the LeBron type of treatment because if Messi is the GOAT equate to Jordan then yeah why can't Killian be um, LeBron starting off his career being, being the greatest player in the world's greatest sport so yeah man it was an awesome game it was a fantastic game it was a wonderful game and I can't wait four years from now because that's probably probably going to be the next time I watch a game of soccer. Oh, I'm just joking. Um, should we talk about some football? Should we go ahead and talk about some football after James Brown goes to the ghetto along with Santa Claus? Should we talk about the playoff picture in the AFC? Should we talk about the Buffalo Bills? Should we talk about the Cincinnati Bungles, Bengals? Should we talk about Josh Allen? Should we talk about Joe Burrow? Should we talk about them things coming back? I think we shall, and we will. Wendell Wallace, here are Wendell's World of Sports. James, if you could, you got Santa Claus? You know where to go, right? You go straight to the ghetto. Santa Claus, go straight to the ghetto. Hitch up your reindeer, uh, go straight to the ghetto. Santa Claus, go straight to the ghetto. Fill every stocking you find. The kids are gonna love you so. Uh, leave a toy for Johnny. Leave a doll for Mary. Leave something pretty for Johnny. And don't forget about Gary. Santa Claus. Go straight to the ghetto. Santa Claus. Go straight to the ghetto. Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Just thinking about that argument. Let me hold on for a second. Hold on. Because I'm thinking 1992 Selma versus 1992 Halley. Now, both are still just beyond gorgeous, talented, strong women, good role models, um, both inside and out. They're strong, confident women, uh, very good role models for the younger generations to follow. But I remember um, everybody should watch this movie. Uh, I forgot the name of the movie. I saw it late one night. Um, It starred Morgan Freeman, Gene Hackman. And Monica Bellucci. The only reason why I was interested is because I saw Morgan Freeman and um, Gene Hackman. I said, those two great legendary actors together making a movie. Yeah, I'm going to watch this. I might not have seen this in the uh, film. I didn't might not have seen this in the movies, but yeah, I'm going to watch this. So they did this film in Puerto Rico. And um, I'm not going to give you the, uh, it's a suspense 
It's really good. It's really good. It is really, really, really good. You should most definitely check it out. Um, just, you know, just go ahead and um, IMB Monica Bellucci and see her film roles and you'll find out what it is. But man, when I had no idea who Monica Bellucci was until I saw that movie. And then when they first showed her, I was like, you've got to be kidding. You have got to be kidding. Jesus almighty. This woman was just so just, mm. I said, I'm sold. I'm there. I'm uh hook, line and sinkered. Uh, yeah. Monica Bellucci. There's just some, you know, Monica, I mean, um, Hallie in boomerang, um, Selma in desperado and, uh, Monica Bellucci in this movie with Gene Hackman and Morgan Freeman. The movie was really good too. And she was, she was good. She was really good as an actress, but it was suspenseful. I really enjoyed it. Have watched it plenty of times, and I highly recommend it, even though I enjoyed it so much, and it stuck with me so much. And Monica's beauty and Gene Hackman and Morgan Freeman acting was so great, and the movie was so great, I forgot what the title was. So, you know, shows you what I know, but hey, you know, give me a break. That's what happens when you get old. Right, my generation? Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad... That you could be with us. All right, man, let's go ahead and talk about what is happening. The playoff picture, let's first focus on the AFC, the division leaders, Buffalo and the AFC East lead the way. Number one seed, the number two seed, uh, the Kansas City football team. They are winners of the AFC Western Division. Cincinnati overtaking Baltimore. They are the three seed with a 10-4 record in the AFC Central. And the number four seed, the faltering, failing, falling Tennessee Titans, who lost, I guess, for what, the third or fourth time in a row? They are still leading the AFC South with the Jacksonville Jaguars nipping at their heels. The wild card, the three wild card teams are the Baltimore Ravens, the Los Angeles Chargers, and the Miami Dolphins. So from the outside looking in, still in the playoff hunt, we have the New England Patriots, who, I don't know, that game against the Oakland Raiders, that was at the end of the game. That was uh, That was nutty, to say the least. Um, you have the New England Patriots, the New York Jets, and then the Jacksonville Jaguars. So you're taking a look at the division leaders, Buffalo 11-3. They have the head-to-head tiebreaker over the Kansas City football team after clinching a playoff berth with their win on Saturday over the Miami Dolphins. Good game, 32-29. It was really good. Buffalo can win the AFC East next week with a victory over Chicago. Could clinch the, uh, that their win could clinch the Bills' fourth straight trip to the postseason. The remaining games for Buffalo at Chicago, at Cincinnati, which should be the game of the regular season, and then at home to close the season against the New England Patriots. So again, their victory over Miami on Saturday, 32-29. Very impressive due to the fact that they came back from an eight-point fourth-quarter deficit to uh, win the game. It was their largest fourth-quarter comeback win since week one of the 2019 season when they trailed the New York Jets by 13, came back and won. And if you take a look at the significance of the game for Buffalo, and if you could take a look, take away some stuff from uh, that game. Take a look at the game-winning drive for the field goal attempt. What did you see? What would encourage you? Buffalo running the football, not relying on everything evolving, revolving around Josh Allen. Devin Singletary more than doubled his carries. 
He went from 6 to 13, gained 36 of his 42 yards on that final drive of the evening. Josh Allen completed a 21-yard uh, or uh, made completions and had a 21-yard pass interference call to uh, make up 50 of the next 86 yards on the 15-yard a 15-play drive that took over 6 minutes. That cap with Tyler Bass game-winning field goal as the time expired. Hey, man, that's what we're talking about as far as balance and not having Josh Allen do everything for the Buffalo Bills. Speaking of which, I want to ask you a question, man, because I don't know, maybe it like, dropped out of my mind or maybe I forgot about it. So let me run this up the flagpole and see if you salute. Should Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills be getting more respect? Now, when I say getting more respect, I'm not saying that they don't have, they don't get any respect at all. That's not my point. Because a lot of times when people bring up that question about someone who's getting respect, it means that um, they go into the mindset of they're not getting any respect at all. The Bills are getting plenty of respect. Josh Allen is getting plenty of respect. I'm just asking the question for everything that the Bills have done and what Josh Allen has done this year. Do you think that they're getting the right amount of credit? Or do you think that they should be getting more? I mean, I'm thinking about... Josh Allen, for instance, here on Wendell's World of Sports, the podcast with yours truly. Speaking about Josh Allen, and I'm listening to folks talk about Jalen Hurts being the MVP, Joe Burrow being the MVP, and I'm thinking to myself, well, or Patrick Mahomes being the MVP, and I'm thinking to myself, why isn't anybody talking about Josh Allen? Shouldn't Josh Allen be right up there? Now, I, I, I know that the fact that he came in at the heavy favorite. It's almost like the Heisman Trophy winner, right? When a guy comes in and he's the heavy favorite and then it's almost a situation where we're just going to pick apart everything that he does because if you go wire from wire as far as being the best player in the eyes of the voters and the media, then it makes it kind of a boring, dull discussion to talk about the Heisman Trophy. Do you think that equates a little bit to the MVP in football? Because I think that we've done that with Patrick Mahomes. Oh, yeah, Patrick Mahomes doing this, that, and the other big deal. We've already seen that. Can't do any more. Boring old storyline. Who cares? You see those two interceptions he threw that game? Did you see that fumble he had that game? And not talk about his five touchdowns. Not talk about the four touchdowns. Oh, you talk about them, but you you focus more on the, wow, Josh, excuse me, Patrick Mahomes had two interceptions. What's going on with him? Wait a second. Kansas City didn't blow this team out. What's going on with them? What's happening with them? Is Josh Allen getting a little bit of that to say, yeah, you know what, hey, he was the MVP coming into the game, the the season, the Buffalo Bills were the team that was supposed to win the Super Bowl. If all of those things stood true, then what would we really be talking about? How much could we be talking about Josh Allen? How much could we be talking about the Buffalo Bills? And again, Buffalo, the number one seat, of course, they're getting a lot of love. I'm just interested to know that should they be getting more? Especially when you're talking about Josh Allen. Against Miami on Saturday night, finished with 304 yards passing, completing 25 of 40 passes, ran for 77 yards on the ground, four passing touchdowns. Ninth time in 14 games that Allen has led the team in rushing. Everybody's talked about Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts. Well, I mean, it's not like um, Josh Allen is this generation's Drew Brees, or excuse me, or uh, Drew Bledsoe when it comes to athleticism, right? 14 games this season, speaking about Josh Allen. Thrown for over 3,800 yards. 30 touchdowns. 11 interceptions. Has run for over 700 yards and 6 rushing touchdowns. 
Okay, he had two bad games in a row against Minnesota and the New York Jets. Through four interceptions, some of them very bad decisions, red zone uh, interceptions, and only one touchdown. That that automatically is going to knock him out of the uh, MVP discussion. I said discussion. I didn't say that he should automatically win the uh, award. But I'm just saying again, I hear Joe Burrow's name. I hear Jalen Hurts' name. I hear Patrick Mahomes' name. Shouldn't Josh Allen be right up there with them? I mean, what are we looking for as far as an MVP is concerned? What do most of us look for when we speak about the MVP, right? We speak about the best player on the best team with the best record in the league, right? Well, outside of Philadelphia, doesn't Buffalo have one of the best records in the league, right? Isn't their best player a quarterback, a prestigious award normally going toward a skilled player? Right? Isn't he putting up gaudy numbers or numbers that are comparable to all the other MVP candidates? Why is it that somehow, someway, we've kind of... I don't want to use the word forget, because I don't think we forgot about Josh Allen, but I I, I think when it comes to um, MVP, I think he should be right up there. Should he be ahead of Jalen Hurts? Hmm. I guess we're going to find out on uh, Saturday when Philadelphia plays Dallas, right? And Hurts is not going to be in the game. I'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, I just think it's a situation where we should be speaking a lot more about a guy who through his last five games has a QB rating of near 100, thrown 10, 10, um, has thrown 10 touchdowns and only one interception, has over 1,100 yards passing and 62 per- completing 62% of his passes. To me, that's uh, right up there with the best in the league so far, right? For those who are speaking about MVP, right? Best quarterback in the game for me right now is Patrick Mahomes. But shouldn't Josh Allen be right up there? And again, what's your definition of an MVP, right? Mine is to say if you were to start a, a, a franchise at the quarterback position, who would you draft? That plays a huge role. Now, I think Jalen Hurts should be right up there in MVP talk. I think Jalen Hurts is justified in being one of the candidates to be discussed strongly as an MVP candidate. But are you going to, if you were drafting, if you were the owner of a football team and you had the opportunity to draft moving forward Jalen Hurts or Josh Allen, wouldn't wouldn't you draft Josh Allen? I mean, I would. It doesn't make me right, doesn't make Josh Allen the MVP, but for me, when I take a look at the, the, the best quarterbacks in the game and the quarterbacks I would love to have, Josh Allen, outside of Patrick Mahomes, and this close, that's the only one as far as Patrick Mahomes that I would give credence to uh, selecting over Josh Allen, even more so than Jalen Hurts, even more so than Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Aaron Rodgers, maybe Dak Pres- Prescott on a decent day. Uh, Jalen Hurts. You notice I'm not throwing in the name uh, Tom Brady. He doesn't deserve that. He doesn't deserve that anymore. He's not in that consideration anymore. Um, I don't care if you're speaking about next year, next week, next minute. I don't care. Tom Brady has not played anything close to a quarterback that deserved to be spoken about in terms of if you had to select a quarterback, top five, top six, top seven, 
would you select Tom Brady? The answer is no, regardless of age, regardless of what happens to him this offseason, whatever he does. The answer based on this season is no. And don't talk to me about a makeshift offensive line. Don't talk to me about Chris Godwin being injured. Don't talk about the defense taking a step back. Don't talk about the fact that they have no running game. Don't talk about the fact that uh, they lost Rob Gronkowski to retirement. Don't talk to me about the fact that Mike Evans had had an off year. All of this is part of the decline of Tampa Bay right along with Tom Brady. So the quarterback that I just mentioned, shouldn't Jalen Hurts be, excuse me, shouldn't uh, Josh Allen be right up there? Shouldn't Josh Allen be getting more consideration for MVP? That's what, that's what I'm asking you. Wendell's World in Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Hey, look, Joe Burrow, great, awesome, wonderful. Completing 68% of his passes. Thrown for over 3,800 yards, 31 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Jalen Hurts this season, completing 67% of his passes, 3,400 yards, 22 touchdowns with five interceptions. Has rushed for 13 rushing touchdowns in over, 70, in over 700 yards. I'm still saying Josh Allen should be, uh, should be a bigger presence than both of them. What's your thoughts and feelings about it? Wendell's World in Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. The number one seed in the AFC East is the Buffalo Bills. Are they getting enough respect? Are they getting enough love? Are they getting enough focus? Because right now, it's all about the Cincinnati Bengals. Are the Cincinnati Bengals going to be a contender? I talked about that on my podcast last week. The Cincinnati Bengals, who's the best team in the AFC? Right now, the hottest team is the Cincinnati Bengals. They're right outside of the, um, they're right with the uh, San Francisco 49ers, right? And uh, as, as being one of the uh, hottest teams, along with the Detroit Lions, right? As being one of the hottest teams in the NFL. Joe Burrow playing himself in the MVP consideration. So it's all about the Cincinnati Bengals, the schedule that they have, the daunting schedule that they have. The Cincinnati Bengals still doing their thing, winning six games in a row. The defending AFC champions, first place in the AFC North after beating the after uh, beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Ravens losing to Cleveland on Saturday. What is Lamar Jackson coming back, by the way, for Baltimore? You better get him back pretty early because this guy Huntley, no, no, no. How about um, Cincinnati's performance against Tampa Bay on Sunday, right? Down 17-0, outscored scored on 34-6 for the win on the road. Burrow, 27-39, 200 yards, four touchdowns and an interception. Why only 200 yards on 27 um, completions? Because most of the time he was setting up shop in Tampa Bay territory because, especially in the second half, the Buccaneers were turning the ball over left and right. After out being after being outgained two sixty one to eighty three, while running just twenty pay, plays to Tampa Bay's forty in the first half, the Bengals said, "Screw this!" Scoring drives of 13, 31, 13, and thirty nine yards, thanks to the Buccaneers' turnovers. Thank you, we appreciate that so doggone much. So look, again, outside of San Francisco and maybe Detroit, I get it. Cincinnati's playing great; they're playing awful. They're playing awesome, right? During the winning streak, they beat. Three playoff teams, even though two of those teams are the Buccaneers and the Tennessee Titans, who are struggling. Right now, currently one game behind Buffalo and Kansas City for the best record in the conference. I get it. They've beaten Kansas City three straight times. Playing the game against Buffalo on January 7th, Week 16, that could be probably the game of the regular season this year in the NFL. But you take a look at 
Buffalo, again, Cincinnati, if Buffalo holds on to that number one spot, Cincinnati's going to have to go to Buffalo if they want to win that Super Bowl, correct? If Buffalo takes care of business once they get into the playoffs. Now, now maybe we're still um, bringing back the thoughts of what Cincinnati did last year after beating Las Vegas at home in the playoffs to then go on the road and win at Tennessee and um, in, in Kansas City. But still, man, you, you take a look at Buffalo. Where Where has... The fact that they're not one of the top, if not the top team in the NFL, how did that drop? I know Philadelphia had the better record. I get it. But, man, you know, from week 11 to 13, Buffalo won three times in 12 days, including two Thursday night games and a Weatherford's home game against Cleveland and Detroit. I mean, Buffalo has three losses this year. Let's take a look at them, right? They lost in game three to Miami where they ran 90 plays to Miami's 39 in 100 degree weather where they were sitting in, in the sun the second loss came against the Jets which might have been uh, Josh Allen's worst performance okay everyone has a bad performance the third loss came against the Minnesota Vikings at home where it took a miracle catch from a Jefferson and a fumble on their own uh, own goal line to uh, have Minnesota have a chance to win the game so, I don't know, man. I mean, to me, still the strongest team going through the AFC are the Buffalo Bills. Now you take a look at the quote-unquote struggles of the Kansas City football team. Last three games, loss at uh, Cincinnati, wins against Detroit, excuse me, against Denver and Houston. I mean, it's kind of like, okay, they're 2-1, and one, and there's no shame in losing on the road at Cincinnati, especially when you were right in the ball game. but doggone, man, you're... Up against Denver, 27 to nothing before falling asleep and losing 34 to 28 against a then 3 and 10 Denver team that before them didn't even come close to scoring 28 points in the game. Against Houston, a team that was 112 and 1 or is 112 and 1, you had to go to overtime to beat them? What's happening? What's happening with this team, man? Eh? I guess when you're committing a couple of turnovers against the Titans and the Chiefs and then are uh, minus seven in that category or the Titans, uh, Kansas City, then minus seven in that category for the season, I guess it says something. So I'm looking very closely at Kansas City being the number two seed, their final three games of the season, Seattle, Denver, Las Vegas. Who knows? They'll probably sit out Patrick Mahomes for Las Vegas, but against Seattle and Denver, Interested to see if they're going to turn this thing around. All right, man. When we come on back, oh, man. Someday at Christmas, all men will be boys, won't be boys, playing with bombs like kids played with toys. The greatness of Stevie Wonder, all-time classic uh, Christmas deal. I'm going to get into the NFC playoff picture. Jalen Hurts, did you notice? He's out for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. What does that mean moving forward for the Eagles? Their playoff chances hurt itself. Take a look at that. And the Cowboys losing to Jacksonville. Oh, my goodness. Everybody's losing their minds because they're the Dallas Cowboys. San Francisco still doing their thing. Tampa Bay still embarrassing themselves. The game against the Giants and Commanders speaking about embarrassing. The two calls that went against my Commanders near the end of the game was disgraceful, was embarrassing, should have been a fireable offense. But that's not the reason why my Commanders lost this game. All of those things I will get into after we listen to my man Stevie can I do a thing here on Wendell's World and Sports? Someday at Christmas, men won't be boys playing with bombs like kids play with toys. 
One warm December our hearts will see A world where men are free Someday at Christmas there'll be no wars When we have learned what Christmas is for When we have found what life's really worth There'll be peace on earth Someday all our dreams will come to me Wendell's World of Sports I'm your host, Wendell Wallace, so glad that you could be with us. What is happening? What is going on? What is getting down? Hope everybody is going to have an absolutely fabulous Christmas holiday season at work. I always like to say, have a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And I'm thinking to myself, how many people would rather just go with have happy holidays? Because, you know, I speak to people at my new job that uh, might not be uh, into the uh, Christmas season or anything like that. So is it customary to go ahead and just say happy holiday season? I just say screw it. Merry Christmas to everybody. So, you know, that's the deal. I can't look you in the eye. I can't look you in the face. And you don't know who I am or where I live. So I'm cool. Merry Christmas. Wendell's World and Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you can be with us speaking about what is happening in the uh, NFL. All right. We spoke about the uh, AFC. Let's take a look at the uh, NFC playoff picture. When you're speaking about the division leaders, the Philadelphia Eagles still at the number one spot. NFC East leaders, 13-1 Minnesota Vikings. The NFC North winners clinched the division with their win over Indianapolis, a game in which they were behind 33 to nothing. But when you have a coach who's doing first take in the Mike Greenberg show, and all of a sudden he's going to be a coach with his only coaching experience being coaching a high school team. And uh, the reason why he wouldn't uh, move his way up the charts to become a coach, maybe start at a positional coach, then move maybe move to a coordinating position before getting the opportunity to become a head coach. The reason why he didn't want to do that grind was because he wanted to spend more time with his family and he didn't want to work that hard. That's what it means to me. And then you get the opportunity to become a head coach. Well, that type of bullshit happens to you losing 33-point leads. But Minnesota won the game, the number two seed, 11-3, and and the division winners of the NFC North. The San Francisco 49ers, third seed, 10-4, 10-4, they clinched the NFC West with their victory over Seattle on Thursday night. Already spoke a lot about what's going down with the San Francisco 49ers. Don't need to get into that. And then, yes, of course, the number four seed because they are leading the NFC South, a division in which nobody upon nobody upon nobody wants to win. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, they are 6-8. and eight, The mediocre Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the below mediocre Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the underachieving Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Buccaneers with the underwhelming quarterback playing for them, who's going to be 46 years old, playing for them, that Buccaneers team, 6-8. and eight. The NFC wildcard teams, Dallas Cowboys, 10-4, and four. the New York Giants, 8-5-1, the Washington Commanders, my Washington Commanders are 7-6-1, and one. outside looking in, the Seattle Seahawks, Seven and seven, they win the tiebreaker over Detroit, who's also seven and seven based on head-to-head win percentage. Um, and the Green Bay Packers at six and eight. Um, I don't know why I put them there. Uh, they won against the Rams, big flipping deal, but whatever, man. So let's go ahead. Hold on, before I speak about 
the Philadelphia Eagles. Before I speak about what happened to Jalen Hurts, I just want to give my two cents into what happened, doggone it, in the game on Sunday night with my Washington Commanders and also the uh, New York Giants when you're speaking about the uh, two uh, penalties that were caused, that were called against my Commanders. Um, they were foolish. They were ridiculous. Oh, I'm sorry. One that was called and one that wasn't called. The um, the, the offside or whatever where McLaurin checks twice with the referee to make sure that he's okay. The referee gives a thumbs up and then they still throw a flag on him. I mean, you can't throw a flag when a guy checks to make sure that he's not, not offside and the referee gives him the thumbs up. You can't still throw a flag on that. It's ridiculous. And then the last play, offensive play of the game for Washington, where the giant DB was holding, passing the fears, anything that you want to call, and the referees swallowed the whistle. Now, I, I, I'm one of the guys who say, hey, look, man, if a referee's going to blow a call, I would rather see him blow it on something to where um, a team is playing aggressive rather than, you know, something that's going to be ticky-tack. For instance, if someone is going to rough the passer, if there's going to be a, a, a missed call on roughing the passer, I would rather have it be because they didn't call it rather than they did call it, sort of like what happened with uh, Tom Brady earlier in the season against the Atlanta Falcons. So if you're going to make a mistake, normally I say make it on the side of a defense or an offense or the team being aggressive. But in this case, it was so egregious. It was so ridiculous. It was so plain to see the fact that they didn't make the call is... uh, is 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 beyond reproach in terms of uh, any explanation that could be given for you know well the reason why well this that and the other no man no so look I'm upset I'm not happy about it but here's the deal that didn't cost my commanders the uh, the, the game you know that that's not the deal if, if Taylor Heineke can't keep the ball in his hands while he's in the red zone when he fumbles. If it was only a situation where the game was 20-12, to 12, even if they would have counted that touchdown, which they should have with Brian Robinson scoring, they still would have had to have the two-point conversion just to go into overtime. So there was no, like, no doubt about it that um, this was going to be a situation where the commanders, my commanders, were going to win. Washington had their chances, and they blew it. They blew it. They couldn't stop the Giants when they needed to. A defensive touchdown by New York. Uh, the defense played well but didn't make the stops when they needed to make the Washington Commanders have no one to blame but themselves for the reason why they lost, not the referees. The referees played a little bit of a role, but when you're speaking about who deserves more of the blame for this loss, it's not the two there's not the, the 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 non-call, the bad non-call, and the call that was made against my commanders. It was the commanders themselves. Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Now, let's get into this uh, Jalen Hurts injury, shall we? Because let me see here, man. He's going to... Uh, he might be missing some time. Now, the coach for um, Philadelphia came out and said, hold on for a second. Might not be... Look, man, Hurts suffered a sprain on his right-throwing shoulder against the Chicago Bears, putting his availability for Saturday's game against the Dallas Cowboys in question. The source said that it was not considered a long-term injury. If Hurts can't play on Christmas Eve, veteran Gardner Minshew, formerly of Jacksonville, will get the call. Now, what impact... 
Will this injury have on the Eagles' chances of winning the conference championship? Look, I'm not worried about what they're going to be doing as far as the conference, as far as the um, the division. I think they're going to secure the number one seed, even if they lose to Dallas. I think they have enough to go ahead and get through. If they do get through, Hurts, who's combined for 35 touchdowns, which tied uh, Randall Cunningham for the most in a season for the Eagles title for franchise history. I think it's going to be something where you take a look. He ran the ball 17 times, a team high 17 times on Sunday. The Bears registered 13 quarterback hits on him, the third highest total in week 15 per ESPN stats and information research. He has 184 hits on the season, which is the third most behind only Justin Fields of the Bears, which are committing malpractice with that offensive line in front of them, and Daniel Jones of the New York Giants. And you think of also the fact that uh, Justin Fields also is a runner of the football. But uh, look, they just need, the Philadelphia Eagles just need one more win to clinch the number one seed in the NFC. So Dallas, New Orleans, and then the Giants, I think they get in. If they don't beat Dallas, I think they beat New Orleans, and then they go through. So you think about what is going to be the impact of Jalen Hurts moving forward with this. Well, let's take a look at this. If the Eagles do clinch the division, then and secure the number one seed, in all likelihood, their first playoff game is not going to be until January 21st. So if Hurts is injured... Not season in, not season ending, not season threatening or anything like that. But just say for a cautionary tale, he doesn't play against the Cowboys or the New Orleans Saints. The Eagles wrap up the division with the win against the Saints. You don't play him in the final game of the season. You rest him, and then he comes back to play January, uh, what January twenty first. Look, man, that's going to be like five weeks in thirty five days. Of him not getting any action. How how much of that is going to affect him? How much rust is he going to have? How much is his timing going to be off? How much is that going to play? Not not just the injury itself, but the fact that he hasn't played in that amount of time. And with an injured shoulder, how much now is Jalen Hurts going to be running the football? How many design run calls are going to be made for Jalen Hurts when he comes back and faces competition for the first time in five weeks almost six weeks that should be the main thing look the Eagles defense has stepped up the offensive line is fantastic Mike Sanders in the running game is fine and they got two studs at the wide receiver with um with uh Devontae Smith and AJ AJ Brown so the the pieces are there but then you're talking about hey man Jalen Hurts as a quarterback coming back how much rust is he going to have that would be my main question. That would be the, the main question for me moving forward because now you take a look at this season for the Philadelphia Eagles. They, they have to make the Super Bowl, right? I mean, wouldn't you consider anything left of the Super Bowl appearance by Philadelphia a disappointment? I didn't say win the Super Bowl. If they lose to Cincinnati, if they lose to the Kansas City football team, if they lose to the Buffalo Bills in the Super Bowl, there's no, there's no shame in that. There's no saying that all the, this season was a, ra- uh, was a waste. But if they don't make it to the conference championship, and every year in the NFL, almost every year in the NFL, we always see something surprising in the playoffs, right? We have seen teams that have only lost one game, that have only lost two games, make their uh, 
uh, make their first playoff appearance and then lose to a team that have been playing and fighting and scratching for their playoff lives for five or six weeks before that, right? Who get on that roll, who get on that momentum, right? Have, haven't we seen that before? So it's going to be a situation where, hey, man, it will be a hugely disappointing uh, feat if the Philadelphia Eagles don't make it to the conference championship game. And even if they lose, say, for instance, they lose the conference championship game to the Dallas Cowboys, that would be considered a disappointment. Let's just say, for instance, they lose the conference championship game to the San Francisco 49ers and Brock Purdy. That would be a disappointment. How much is... Jalen Hurts' injury long-term through the playoffs going to affect him in terms of not, you know, anything super physical in terms of he's going to be limping and throwing passes that Peyton Manning was throwing his last year in the NFL. But, you know, how is his shoulder, if it's if it's his throwing shoulder, how is that going to affect the deep ball? If it's his throwing shoulder and he's going to be out for five weeks, when he comes back to play in a highly contested playoff game, the first time that he's played in five weeks, how is that going to, uh, how is that going to play out? So those are the things for the Philadelphia Eagles that I would be concerned about, that I would be looking about, that I would be talking about, that I would be interested about. So we'll see what happens moving forward. Again, if the Eagles clinch the division, I, I, I just can't see Jalen Hurts getting out there with the understanding that, hey, you know what? we got to get him some playing time before he plays in the playoff game. I just can't see him playing against the uh, New York Giants. Can't see him playing against uh, those teams if the uh, Eagles clinch. So we'll see what happens. Wendell's World in Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. The Dallas Cowboys losing to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Here's the deal. I, I'm not worried. Everyone's talking about Noah Brown dropping the ball, interception, touchdown, this, that, and the other. Can't believe the Cowboys losing to Jacksonville. The Cowboys put up 34 points. People talking about the play calling and down the stretch and management and all that type of stuff. I'm, I'm up here sitting about, I'm up here thinking about, man, how did this vaunted Cowboy defense who through the first five, six weeks of the season was playing like the 85 Chicago Bears to 2001 Baltimore Ravens, maybe not at that level, but they were playing great in terms of uh, teams in the NFL, in terms of defenses in the NFL, they were playing the best. If you thought about the re- the responsibility that they had with Cooper Rush as their quarterback, because Dak Prescott was out, and you had to uh, see what the um, defense had to do to uh, keep them in games and win games, yeah, for them to be giving up that amount of points to the Jacksonville Jaguars, blowing a 27-10 to 10 lead like they did, and having, um, and having Trevor Lawrence look like I don't know, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers put together in their prime. Interesting, alarming. Exactly what does it mean moving forward? I don't know. We'll see a lot. We'll be able to tell a lot. We'll get an idea. We'll get a better idea. We'll get some more evidence when they play the Philadelphia Eagles on Saturday or Sunday, whenever they play. But it's going to be interesting to see exactly uh, what happens, what goes down. Not so much with the offense, but what's going on with the defense. If they allow doggone Philadelphia with Gardner Minshew to look pretty good, then I think maybe we should uh, talk a little bit more about what's going on with the Dallas Cowboys because while they've had a great season, while they have a really good record, this is still a situation where, hey, look, man, if they lose in the playoffs again, Mike McCarthy's getting fired. 
Mike McCarthy is gone, and there's going to be some changes in Dallas. Maybe not with Dak Prescott and all those deals, but in terms of the uh, coach, a guy going into the season who was on the hot seat and a lot of Dallas Cowboy fans wanted to see fired to begin with, now, after not giving them any ammunition at all to fire at Mike McCarthy to say that you're fired, you're fired, you're fired, all of a sudden he loses in a playoff game after the downturn that he took and losing to Jacksonville and such, then, uh, yeah, I think that those uh, voices screaming, yelling, and hollering will get louder and louder and louder. Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host. Wendell Wallace, so glad that you could be with us. So, yeah, man, talked about the 49ers. They're doing their thing. Tampa Bay Buccaneers faltering. This stuff about Tom Brady, where is he going to play next year and all this kind of nonsense, man. I mean, look, Tom Brady can play till he's 60 if he wants to. It ain't, it ain't me. I'm not making the decision. Doesn't affect me one way or the other. The roof is not going to be taken off the uh, house. The money is not going to be taken out of my pocket. My job isn't going to be lost. My clothes aren't going to be taken off my back. And no one's going to be messing around in terms of the financials with my goddaughter. So whether Tom Brady plays or not, I don't give a fuck. If he wants to play, go ahead and keep playing. But, um, you know, it's just a matter of I don't think Tom Brady is that guy anymore. Now, if Tom Brady wants to do what Peyton Manning did and get on a team to where he doesn't have to be the man, then all right. But I'm just thinking to myself, when has Tom Brady ever wanted to put himself in that situation? Tom Brady, who has been the man, Tom Brady, who has been the goat, Tom Brady, who has been the king, Tom Brady, who has been the uh, benchmark, who has been the pulse, the heartbeat of every organization that he's been in. I mean, if he goes to the Raiders, if he goes to, I don't know, if he goes, he can't go to the Broncos anymore. But if he goes to uh, one of those teams, I mean, he's not that guy. He's not that guy. Probably the expectations will be there. 46-year-old Tom Brady is coming back to, is coming to uh, Las Vegas, hip, hip, hooray. Or, oh my goodness gracious, Tom Brady's going to San Francisco. What a great way to uh, end his career, to play for his childhood team that he grew up uh, loving and idolizing in the Bay Area and taking them to a championship and this, that, and the other. That's not Tom Brady anymore. Tom Brady ain't taking nobody, no team, nowhere, anyhow, in terms of a championship is concerned. He's just not. He's just not that guy anymore. You know, 19 or 2005, 2015, 2018, 2020, 21, Tom Brady is not walking through that door anymore. The man is 45 years old. I don't care how many protein shakes. I don't care how many green drinks. I don't care how much he stretches. I don't care how, what, what he sleeps in. I don't care how many hours that he sleeps. I don't care what supermodel he's banging. Even though he's not banging her anymore because of divorce. But I don't care what his lifestyle is. When you're 46, you're 46. Ask anybody who's 46. Tom Brady physically is not a freak of nature. So, I mean, this is a situation where, hey, man, you hit the wall, you hit the wall. It happens to everybody. So, Tom Brady wants to keep playing cool. Tom Brady can do whatever the hell he wants. But, uh, you know. It's a decision, but I'm just speaking about the fans who are going to sit there and talk about, ooh, goodness gracious, if we get Tom Brady, that means it doesn't mean anything. If the Raiders get Tom Brady, it doesn't mean anything. I wouldn't give up Derek Carr for Tom Brady. I wouldn't give up on Trey Lance for Tom Brady, even if it is for one year. I would probably even give up on Jimmy Garoppolo for Tom Brady. So, so there you go. That's my stuff about Tom Brady and the NFC and that good stuff. To end the podcast, I need to talk about the uh, NBA. I need to talk about my Georgetown Hoyas. Just got through watching them lose to Connecticut. Surprise, surprise. So 
be speaking about them, be speaking about those good things. I can't watch the TNT game because for some reason they won't allow us to uh, watch double headers out here in Vegas. I don't know why, so I'm going to be hotly anticipating watching the Denver Nuggets and the Memphis Grizzlies. Did you see the triple-double that Nikola Jokic put up against Charlotte uh, this past weekend? 40, what did he have? 40, 41, 27, and 10. Good Lord. <laughs> 41, 27, and 10. I don't care if it was against Charlotte. 41, 27, and 10. Jokic is something else. Man, so we'll get back to uh, sports, the NBA, basketball, all those good things when we listen to the greatest of all time. The greatest of all time. Do you hear me? The greatest of all time. The legendary, the one and only, only Otis Ready here on Wendell's World of Sports. Last segment of the podcast. Last segment of the program. Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. The greatest ever. Don't need to be expounding more on Otis Redding. The greatness of Otis Redding. My hero, my idol, my role model. In terms of music, historical issues, as historical folks are concerned. The greatest of them all, Otis Redding. Um, yeah, the NBA. Let's go ahead. Steph Curry out for the uh, Golden State Warriors. Suffered. An injury with uh, in their game what was it, last week against the Indiana Pacers. 204 left in the third quarter. Uh, last Wednesday against the Indiana Pacers. Went to uh, strip Jalen Smith of the ball as he drove to the hoop. He immediately, Curry immediately grabbed his left shoulder and continued to hold it as he ran down the court. The Warriors subsequently called a timeout and he was looked at by two trainers on the bench. A few minutes later, Curry went back to the locker room and was officially ruled out of the game in the fourth quarter. He's expected to miss a few weeks. For those who want to know, Curry, Golden State without Curry in the lineup is 24-66 and 66 over the last four years. They're currently 14 and 15, clinging to the last playing spot in the Western Conference. 29 games in. Christmas Day is coming up. This is when we really start getting interested in the NBA season. Once the uh, Christmas, once Christmas basketball uh, is is uh, is played, then we start paying a little bit more attention. The the uh, NFL is is winding down. The college football is in its bowl season. So now the NBA takes a little bit more center stage. Um, I believe the Golden State Warriors, who are they playing on? Uh, who are they playing on Christmas? Is it Memphis? It's Memphis, right? Yeah, I think it's Memphis. So 
without Curry, it'll be interesting. Hey, look, man, just just tread water. Just tread water with the guy. Make a push. I think when you're the defending champs, I think this was a situation where Golden State is still suffering some type of hangover. I think with the um, trio of Draymond Green, uh, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, thinking a matter of getting them relatively healthy and get them in the playoffs. And in the meantime, I think of all the guys, all the young cats that you have on the team, when you're speaking about uh, Moses Moody, James Wiseman, and Jonathan Kaminga, I think the situation where this could give Kaminga a little bit more time to uh, find his game, to find his niche, to uh, feel a little bit more comfortable, give a little bit more detail, give a little bit more data for the uh, Golden State Warriors moving forward, um, see if he can progress a little bit more. I think of all those guys, him and uh, Jordan Poole will be the guys who should benefit the most in terms of opportunities to improve and get better with Steph Curry out of the lineup for the uh, time being and uh, make them more impactful rotation players once the uh, playoff starts. They won't be having the same responsibilities. They won't be getting the same amount of time as, say, they would have in a regular season or even uh, if Steph Curry was playing but I also think this is an opportunity for them to become more of a solid um, rotation type of players once the playoff hits, if the Warriors make it to the playoffs. And also they have to get back uh, Andrew Wiggins, who have missed some games. I think he's missed, what, about five games because of injury. So some good times. Uh, Clay Thompson is back, so there's some good times in terms of seeing what the Warriors can do. Look, man, they don't need to go on an incredible streak or anything like that. They've been basically treading water. They had a... They had a nice win last week without Steph, so continue to play well and continue to uh, do what you need to do. The players that need what they need to do, and uh, we'll see what happens. Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Newsflash, as we end the program, Anthony Davis is uh, out again. He's going to miss some time, another injury. Going to miss multiple weeks with a foot injury. What sources told ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, Davis is expected to be sidelined for multiple weeks with a right foot injury. Davis underwent an MRI on Saturday, this past Saturday, after leaving Friday night's victory over the visiting Denver Nuggets, which probably was the best victory for the Lakers on Friday night. They were uh, they were pretty stout. They were pretty impressive, no doubt about it. But uh, Davis left the game. And was still undergoing more evaluation on Sunday with a specialist. Davis appeared to tweak his right foot after his lower leg collided with Nikola Jokovic's leg while the two were in midair near the basket in the first quarter on Friday. Davis did not return to the game after halftime. As you know, Anthony Davis, who was playing at an MVP-type level, even though he wasn't going to win the MVP because of the Lakers' record, the fact that he had a streak where he was playing better than just about anybody on the court, not named Luka, not named Nikola, not named Giannis. He was right there with them. But, uh, hey, man, this is another situation where, you know, he's going to be missing more than half of the Lakers' regular season games over the past two seasons because of various injuries. And this is not a situation where Davis works one thing, even when he was with New Orleans. It was always like a thigh. It was always like a finger. It was always like a wrist. It was always like a rib. It was always like an ankle. It was always like a foot. There wasn't like one thing that you could kind of point to and say, man, we need to be a little bit more cautious or we need we, we, we can focus on one area because this area is a weakness because he keeps injuring it. Remember with Steph? 
For those who don't remember, Steph Curry was always having ankle problems. And that's one of the reasons why his first contract extension wasn't the mega extension that he should have gotten because it was because of injuries, because he was always injured with his ankles. So it was a matter of almost like, look, man, if we can do something with Steph's ankles, then we'll be all right because every injury that he's getting is because of his ankles. With Anthony Davis... You can't concentrate on one body part because he's injuring all of his body parts. Nicks and in, 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 in sprains and this, that, and the other. There's nothing major. There's not a blown this or a torn that or a broken this for the most part. It's always been sprained. It's always been a situation where it's been a thumb injury. It's been a foot injury. It's been a toe injury. It's been a, an abdominal strain. It's been a sore shoulder. It's been a rib injury. It's been a, a contusion of the thigh. It's always one of these deals. So with Anthony Davis, again, it's just, look, the Lakers weren't going to do anything with them. They went up to uh, Phoenix the other night and got their asses whooped. Damn, I wanted to say something about Robert Sarver and some uh, investigating with the Phoenix Suns, but I'll save that for later. But um, yeah, this, this, this is a situation where it's kind of like Anthony Davis just can't seem to stay injured, and it's always something new. It's always something different. It's always something where it's kind of like we can't pinpoint on where we can kind of strengthen, where we, we can kind of focus on during the offseason. I don't know if his injuries or I don't know if he's had to do hot yoga. I don't know if he's going to have to change his diet. I don't know if he's going to have to do stretching. I don't know if he's going to have to sleep in an oxygen chamber. I don't know what he's going to have to do there's, 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 because he's always injuring something. And it's nothing where it's kind of like you take a look. I mean, sprained ankles are sprained ankles. You come down on someone's foot, that's just the name of the game. That's just the way it happens. You're going to get a sprained ankle sooner or later because that's just the game of basketball. When you're playing with uh, 18 other feet uh, in, in a game, you know, you're know you going to come down on one and you're going to turn your ankle. It happens to the best of them. But with Davis, it's, you just get these injuries where you take a look and you say, well, that wasn't much or that wasn't devastating. You know, I mean, some of the times when he's taking bad spills or something like that, he's gotten up and played. And other times you take a look at him where it's kind of like, that's what he got injured? That's, that's what he's going out for? That's what he's missing time for? So for the Lakers moving forward, man, I don't know. I mean, so far during the season, he's averaging 27.5 points, 60% shooting, 12 rebounds, 2 blocks. But um, it's a situation where it's kind of like he cannot keep healthy. And the Lakers... I don't know what this means for the Lakers moving forward who were playing better basketball. I mean, okay, hip, hip, hooray. But again, what does that mean? The Brooklyn Nets are playing really good basketball. They've won what? Seven, eight in a row? Kyrie Irving no longer watching anti-Semitic movies and uh, and retweeting them on uh, Twitter. Good job, Kai. But he's, uh, he's playing really good basketball. Durant's playing at an MVP uh, tight level, and they're taking advantage of some really poor um, opponents. But winning is winning. And the last time I checked, the Brooklyn Nets weren't the 1995-96 uh, Chicago Bulls. So a win is a win. But uh, getting back to the Lakers, man, I, I don't know what to do with the squad. I don't know what you do to get better. I don't know now with Russell Westbrook, who's playing better than he did last year. Okay, that's nice. Nice. Could he play any worse? So as a six-man role, that's great. That's wonderful. Are, are you using Russ at that role to entice somebody 
to uh, trade for him so you can clear up some cat space? Are you playing Russ at this role to ultimately try to make the playoffs? If making the playoffs, if you make the playoffs, what does that mean? I, I understand that in the Western Conference, there is no Boston, there is no, no Milwaukee, that the uh, teams are in flux in terms of who's the best team and all this type of nonsense. Denver has looked pretty good, but they faltered. Uh, Phoenix had been faltering. New Orleans, okay, do you really believe in them? They hadn't shown that they can win on the road with any with any consistency. So the Lakers maybe take a look at that and say, if we could get LeBron and AD healthy and in the playoffs along with Russ, uh, chipping in from off the bench, maybe we have a chance to know. You don't have a chance to do anything. And this injury to Anthony Davis sets back, I think, any hope somehow, some way that the Lakers could somehow, some way find their way into an advantageous position, not only to make the playoffs, but to do some damage once they make the playoffs. How can you trust Anthony Davis uh, with his injury? Real quick, Georgetown stinks. They lose Connecticut. I hate life. Patrick Ewing needs to go. America's coach. I'm sorry. He played Malcolm Wilson against Connecticut. What is going on with Ryan Matambo? What is going on with Jordan Riley? What is going on with Denver, England? Could you please play these guys? Again, um, uh, Brandon Murray, Jay Heath, Primo Spears, over 30-plus easily, getting tired near the end of the game. You watching that game with 10 minutes left when Georgetown got a 7-point lead? I knew they were going to lose that game. Not because I'm fatalistic, because I'm realistic. I knew they were going to lose that game. Georgetown can't sustain any type of consistency against a decent team for 10 minutes, for 15 minutes. They can't play decent defense. They can't stop turning the ball over. They can't stop making shots. Or they can't start making shots for any length of time. They look like a competent basketball team for stretches. And those stretches usually last anywhere between two to four minutes. After that, they go back to being Georgetown. Turning the ball over, making bad decisions, not hitting free throws, not boxing out, not playing any defense. That's just who they are. That's just who they are. Is there any way that we can get Rick Pitino, please, or someone who can coach this team? Okay, I'm done. Whew, felt good. Well, I thank you all for listening to my podcast. Remember, man, the Christmas spirit. See what we can do to uh, educate ourselves. See what we can do to learn something. See what we can do to uh, make this world a better place, see what we can do to leave our comfort zone, see what we can do to help out others, see what we can do to learn from others. Could we please, could we please get off the block? Could we please get out the house? Could we please leave the neighborhood? Could we please go to a different community? Could we please go to a different setting? Can we please go to a different environment and please talk to somebody who's different from us? Talk to somebody of a different race? Talk to somebody from a different environment, talk to somebody from a different religious background, talk to somebody from a different part of the world, talk to somebody from a different financial background, talk to somebody from just different from you, listen, learn, and learn some things. Can we do that? I promise you. I promise you. It'll it'll benefit you. It'll benefit me. It'll benefit the community. It'll benefit society. It'll benefit the world. What the world needs now is more understanding, more love, and all those things. So, um, for the last time, 
I'm going to play a little Donny Hathaway. going to play a little This Christmas as I get myself on out of there. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy Merry Christmas. All those good things for the atheist. Hey, man, keep doing what you're doing. Believe in what you believe in and being good people. You're all right with me. You're all right with everybody. You should be all right. But those who are looking to do right, who are looking to live a righteous life, who are looking to treat others with respect, unity and love you don't have to be christian you don't have to be an atheist you don't have to be jewish you don't have to be mormon you don't have to be muslim you don't have to be any of them things you just have to be a decent loving caring human being religion should not play a role in that take that and do the boogaloo on it this christmas donny hathaway the greatest christmas song of them all wendell wallace wendell's world of sports donny for the last time Educate these kids, educate these people, educate this world, educate the listener's ear on what wonderful, beautiful music from a genius is all about. Cause I hear my world is filled with children. 